once again, it's time for your weekly visitation with the dads. I'm Papa George, got with me Papa Liam, and we'd like to introduce our uh, old good family friend Papa Wolf, who is now going to be your dad forever, kids. Uh, say hello. It's weird old Uncle Wolf, here to ruin <laughs> everyone's Thanksgiving. <laughs> who invited him? Hello and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. Guys, it's a pleasure to be here once again. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Wolf. We uh, we couldn't let the people down. There's three dads. That's what this relationship is. So yes, yes. Unfortunately, Matt's PC decided to blow up on him, and he tried to make a video game. <laughs> he he tried. He started making a video game, and he was loving it. And then, being 2020 and all, you're not allowed to love things. The universe was like ah ah ah, flew too close to the sun. He was getting pretty good at it within a day as well. He had like a character moving around and everything and making some art and all that. And then, nope, PC's like, fuck no, dude, I'm going to blow up. Is Matt one of those people who's just sort of naturally disgustingly good at things? When it comes to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's editing. He has a very creative eye. Yeah. I mean, he has the best voice out of all of us. I mean, inarguable. Exactly right. His his videos look a lot better than than most other people in the world. Yep, that is yep. also true. And we miss miss him daily, but we have a late substitution. It's the ninetieth minute, and we called in our favorite our favorite anime wolf, who shit talks bleach as much as I do. <laughs> oh my to come god! In. Can just oh. <laughs> oh, can we can we maybe stay away from Bleach? There's some people who have some thoughts on me. Yes, I'm. I am. I am cool. I'm. I. I. I, I don't know about you guys, but I might be be good on the anime talk this week. Uh, maybe because you've not watched an anime since Cowboy Bebop, and we've already been through that ringer. I was so fucking nervous that I would not like Cowboy Bebop enough for the internet. If you don't like one of the internet's favorite animes, they they will gut you and and hang you and quarter you in the town square. Yes, it's they it will. is it is insane sometimes just how like harsh the fan base you guys got to deal with is, and we have to deal with fucking gamers. So like with anime fans, it's weird because like I can shit talk like Final Fantasy or Shenmue or whatever, and people will be like, "All right, well I don't agree with you, but okay for the most part." But with anime fans, they can be like, "What?" And it's like, "Yeah, no, I just didn't enjoy it that much." And they're like, "What do you mean?" And then you'll explain why you didn't like it, and their first instinct is to be like, "Okay, you didn't like it, but here's why your explanation is wrong." And it's like. <laughs> Oh, it's it's exhausting. That sounds like gamers as well. Oh, they seem very similar. Maybe it's just maybe it's just the internet. I, don't know. I, don't I think it's maybe just the internet. But don't worry, you can shit talk video games this week and take a break from anime. I think I mostly mostly just have things I like this week. Unfortunately, that's good. We're getting like a mini eye patch wolf things I liked episode. In, in this podcast. <laughs> That's the name of my series. Things I liked. <laughs> <laughs> Things I liked. <laughs> First off, yeah, like, George, what, what's going on with you? I heard that you got tested. I, I did. I got tested for coronavirus about one solid whole week ago, which kind of makes me nervous. 
I want to go uh, drive down to Savannah and visit my mom, who is mm. very, very old and living in a home. So she's in a high-risk category. I decided to sign up for the public health department testing to make sure I was I was cleared to allow myself to do that, unlike some other people in the family who, who haven't been taking it as seriously. And uh, it was the easiest freaking thing in the whole wide world. I could not believe that I was done with the process in less than an hour after I made the first phone call. This is um, wow, something that I guess an hour they, you managed to get it done from a phone call. I, I got on the phone to. It doesn't sound very American, right? It was. It was incredible. I got on the phone. <laughs> I called I called the local covid hotline. The lady signed me up for an appointment 15 minutes later for a station that was a 10 minute walk away from my address. I show up there and it's all intense and it's outside so I don't have to walk through anyone's cloud of air conditioner recycled air in front of me and they they stuck the swab in my nose and I was out of there in 5 minutes. I I wow. literally got it done free of charge less than an hour after making the first phone call. Okay, so first question. Well, first off, congratulations. That's one test Donald Trump has passed that you have not. So, let's keep it I am that more way. qualified for are, for the presidency now. That's yes, true. Yes. Secondly, I've had Japanese influenza tests before on multiple occasions, and they are like the right stick up your nose, tickling that brain juice, mm, horrid mm. things. Mm -hmm. Is is the PCR test the same? Was it right up in the right up? In I there? think so. I might have a bigger nasal cavity than most people, though. It might have been less of a big deal for me. It didn't hurt. It was a kind of discomfort. It felt like they'd smooshed some mucus down the back of my nasal cavity that steadily started dripping into my throat as the rest of the day went on. But honestly, I just like I, I, I took a nap when I finished my chores afterwards. And I, I forgot about it a couple hours after. It faded away after a couple hours. It didn't actually hurt. It just felt discomforting. Did it make your eyes water? Not my eyes. I did want to blow my nose. The influenza test makes my it makes my eyes want to water really badly. Like it's like interesting. It, it is like a good lesson in, in anatomy because you can feel how your nose hole is connected to your mouth hole. And, and, you know, usually you don't get that reminder in, uh... John looks disgusted. <laughs> Very occasionally I do get a reminder of that, and I try and forget it as frequently as possible. I like to imagine that both holes just disappear into a portal that go to completely separate places, <laughs> and I never need to think about it again. I think the more... The more the idea is brought to light for me that my body is really just all these like, you know, physical pieces of meat with like specific functions, the more I start mm -hmm. to like disassociate really hard and just can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. I've not enjoyed it recently. Finding like, like turning 30 and finding like lumps and shit all over me and I'm like, God damn, there is something inside of there. I'm, I am a sack of meat that changes. We had a listener question asking us about all our least favorite taboos, stuff in, in media that'll just make us wince and go there. And mine is the easiest, most lamest thing in the world, and that's body horror, because I hate being reminded of just how fragile our bodies really, really are. Like, if you're on an airplane and you feel your organs sloosh around when it makes a turn, that's like, that is the worst. I hate that. Did you ever read any uh, Junji Iso, George? No, when I'd like to... Not unless it comes up for a project or something, but you I've should. seen enough pictures you to should. know that that will trigger, that will totally 
activate my almonds. But you know, like the the morbid curiosity part of you, like that makes you pursue further. That that's what that's what Jinji, especially like Uzumaki and stuff like that. Just mm. you're like, ah, oh, this is disgusting, and I don't want to turn the page. But everyone, sh- everyone should at least read the first chapter of Uzumaki. That is just yes. What is the human form? <laughs> It's morphable. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this isn't the one where everyone in society like wants to fit themselves into their perfectly sized holes. No, that's also a great one. That's Enigma uh, yeah. of Amigara Falls. I think that one might be might be easier for me to get through. Yeah, that one's a little more cosmic, at least initially. Like that's more like fear of the great unknown yeah that's a little lovecraftian even though there is body stuff in there yeah yeah totally it also seems to to dig into the like twilight zone mass hysteria sort of stories which i think are good fodder for 2020 mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is yeah i think you know cosmic horror is kind of on point for it it's like the the fear of the unknown being out of your control the, the fear that like society is the unknown that's out of control is like like really something that's gonna get me nowadays have you seen lovecraft country i have not i want to watch it i haven't yet so it's super interesting it's kind of the perspective of like um like black people in the i think it's like 60s or 70s like that time period and it's weird because the first episode really like it really sets up society as like this great horrifying unknown for these people where if they go into a new town they don't have any idea how the town's going to react to them, if it's going to be hostile towards them. And it's so much like, there is no fighting back against it for them. Like, there, it's impossible. And halfway through the first episode, I was like, oh, I get it. It's like, society is the galactic horror. <laughs> and then later on, monsters do actually show up. And I was like, oh, okay. But you get the allegory. Oh, yeah. And that's what that is. Like, I wouldn't say it's the greatest show in the world, but it is super interesting, especially considering what we just talked about. It's Jordan Peele again, right? I think he had something to do with it, yeah. Uh, maybe he's like a producer on it or something. Something like that. He's got a good track record of like pretty decent horror stuff, or at least... Totally. Horror that reflects like, you know, black issues in incredibly smart ways. Before we, we hit the record button, we were talking about some potential small talk topics. And this, of course, like I can't, I cannot resist. There is no escape. You said that in Ireland, there are dumbass American-style anti-mask protests going. Huge right? ones. Like... Huge? Yeah, like, like so much bigger than they should be. And I feel like two months ago... I'm like, I'm sorry to the American listeners. I, I genuinely... I have a lot of American friends and I really like America. But this two months ago was something I would point and laugh at in America and be like, haha, what a stupid fucking country. And now it's like... <laughs> There's, there's one like, of me. There's, I, I was walking through town one day, right? And this guy walked by me with a mask. I was wearing a mask, but his mask hole was cut out where the mouth was because he was making a statement. And do, do you get it? Do you, do you see what he was? Because the mask was trapping him, but now he has a voice <sighs> again. And it's, it is so just. I don't even know how to argue against it, you know? Because, like, Ireland also, we went through a period there where we weren't even getting, we weren't even hitting, like, triple figures a day. We were hitting, like, 40 or 50 new cases a day for the country. Right now, we're teetering on a thousand. Like, we've gone, we've spiked massively. 
And to see that shit still going on, it's like, I'm always inches away from like recording these people and putting it up on Twitter and being like, look, everybody, it's the dumbest motherfuckers in Ireland. But then that's the kind of thing where it's like, do I want to do that to my mentions for like two days? I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You got to speak in code word. Yeah. If you say words like the president or Trump or or proud boys or Nazis like that triggers a whole bunch of scripts in the system that'll get bad elements hoarding on your timeline. One of my favorite examples of getting around that was um, our mutual friend, Jeff Thu, recently, uh, the day Trump got the coronavirus, he posted a picture of Frieza holding his Destructo discs and then Frieza being cut in half with his own Destructo discs. No text, <laughs> no text at all. And I was like, that is fucking genius. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then they said you're not allowed to uh, publicly wish death on on public figures, and and every single person who tweeted about that, people found tweets of them wishing deaths upon others immediately. So I felt like the balance was restored a little bit in that favor. To to not sadden you further, though, George, as I pointed out to John, uh, literally yesterday, anti-maskers have even been cropping up in Japan, and that just blows my mind. Yeah, Japan's supposed to be extra clean and smart, and school is hard over there. And it's not that they have a problem with masks. They have more, like, these fuckers have more of a problem with the coronavirus and how, like, they it's just a cold. Like, literally, there are posters of this dude who looks <sighs> like the dweebiest fucker in the world, and... It, it literally his tagline is like, don't worry, it's just a cold. Like, and this fucker held a rally in Tokyo with nobody wearing masks or anything, which is baffling because these guys have been wearing masks their whole life and totally normal part of their society. But just because the mm -hmm. coronavirus is like a thing, they're like, hmm, maybe we should start rethinking the old mask strategy. <laughs> maybe the, the 30 years I've spent not getting influenza has taught me anything. It's that masks are bad now. If, if this strain of mass hysteria catches on in Japan, like I hate to think about what it's going to feel like getting on the subway train. Cause, cause mm. I, I can't believe you guys managed to avoid as many cases as you had so far. I remember there being controversy over some mismanagement early on in the pandemic, but I haven't heard much since. There's been incredible failings in the UK. I mean, Boris Johnson almost died of it. Hopefully that would have put some sort of fucking mental image in his stupid head. But their response has been like not malicious. It's been like neglectful in typical government incompetence whereas america and like what has now happened which is literally just you know typically trump is the dude fucking survived right so his response now is uh, is so it predictable. takes a few weeks he's just high right now but he's like no need to worry no need <laughs> to worry guys take your masks off it's all good like, like for for future record, we're recording this on October six. My theory <laughs> is that he's just high, and his ego is is amplified even bigger than usual. Because uh, that man is like ninety percent anabolic steroids right now. Yeah, and and having there there have been some doctors who have said that having grandiose delusions about your own abilities is part of that, and. This is Trump we're talking about. So that's just that was already his pre-existing condition. I'm just imagining like 
we we talk about it right now and then in four days time when this episode comes out like the news is just that trump's dead and you're like oh damn oh retrospectively like like biden decided to pull negative campaign ads and all of all of the shit talk people have been doing about trump in the days beforehand now looks like oh shit we didn't know we were gonna hex him for real (laughs) (laughs) oh man what a what a shitty Four years. I was going through my photo album full of explosions and military vehicles from four years ago and reminding myself that it's been hell for all four years. It's not just 2020. Bad situation. True. Whatever you do, don't call them cartoons. They don't like being called cartoons. Dragon Ball Z Budokai, available on PlayStation 2 Rated Team. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. We had another 2020 happen. Uh, Ipatch Wolf is going to sound immediately better. Yeah, uh, there's us, no way to tell. There's no way to tell whose fault it was or what even went wrong. I uh, just got to put it up to an act of God. There's clearly no blame that can be played any placed anywhere. So I think my favorite tweet of of the current Donald Trump has coronavirus medicine theater we're dealing with was: "We have found the one event that will cause American conservatives to believe in science and liberals to believe in God." <laughs> <laughs> oh that's 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 good that's strong so let's, that's strong yeah yeah let's 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 move on to video games which is funny because that's kind of sort of what my hades video was talking about and even though let's not let's not dwell on it because we have talked for two weeks in a row but you did say that you're jumping you're jumping on papa hades is a big piggyback ride for, oh i am for your big way, game right now way down Papa Hades big piggyback ride. I I have been there for a while. Um, it's getting to the stage now where I'm kind of like, but I need to play other games too. You know that because it's like, well, I need to, yeah. I need I like I need to talk about new things for my job. Um, and so I nearly feel guilty loading up Hades now. But God damn, every element of that game just spins together so well. Like, from the gameplay to how, like, you know, the boons can synergize with each other to your weapon choice to, like, it being a run-based game to how that ties into the narrative. Like, I'm sure I'm not saying anything that has not been said before and better, but, like, holy shit. It's just... It's a game (laughs) I find difficult to, like, complain about. And I actually... I just beat Hades for the first time. Uh, Now, do you... By beat, do you mean credits roll or... I I got to the end because hmm. beating Hades is a a surprisingly open ended statement to make. Okay, I met the person I wanted to meet for the first time. Yeah. Okay. You gotta. You're you're gonna have to do that some more, and you're gonna be surprised at how much new stuff the game still will have in store for you on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys, and it's something I'm a little afraid to ask because I'm worried I might be secretly terrible at Hades. Don't worry. Okay. I am openly terrible. Me too. Me too. At 80s. How many runs did it take you f- to get to that point the first time? At least mid to upper 20s for me. And I, I know why I'm handicapped. I'll explain in a minute. <laughs> I'm 30 and counting, my friend. <laughs> okay. Because I'm 40. I still haven't finished it. Wow. I am 40 uh, and I am 
very disappointed in myself. And it was because like my, my progression through it was pretty gradual. I mean, like, you know, I was stuck on Megara for a bit. Then I was stuck on Bone Hydra for a bit. Then I was stuck on Minotaur. Then I was stuck in Theseus and Minotaur. Then I got to Hades. Like it was pretty, you know, it was it was very gradual. But I had a friend who started playing Hades recently. And like, I hate playing games with her because she's one of those people. She hasn't played games like her whole life or anything, but she's like, weirdly good at everything she tries and like on her fourth <laughs> so she was messaging me and she was like oh yeah i can't um i'm kind of i'm stuck on megara but i'm having uh but i'm like um but i'm really enjoying it and i was like oh that's cool how many runs have you tried and she goes oh this is my fourth but I actually just got to the minotaur and theseus and i was like what <laughs> like because <sighs> i have like I spent more hours playing like Binding of Isaac than I will ever publicly admit. And I like to think I understand run-based games and I'm good at like the risk reward of them. But moments like that make me feel like I'm not. You know what I mean? So I found out that there's some hard limits to how good I can be at Hades due to A, using some Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons that are at the end of their lifespan. Their very short, artificially stunted lifespan. Number two, I'm too far away from the screen to see a lot of moving details and tiny icons that all of a sudden were so much easier to read when I was blowing up my own editing footage. Like when I, uh, I, I have my living room TV about six to seven feet away from the couch, and that's kind of sort of too far to really read the screen completely. Right. And uh, if I play it in handheld mode, it's it's kind of sort of too low res to read the screen completely. When I was looking at my own footage, though, I was amazed at how many subtle tells there are to the animations in this game and how 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 many like wind ups I, I was missing this whole entire time that I never would have noticed. Otherwise, a lot of stuff got buried underneath the splash effects, which are still done super well and very decipherable. But that. From here on out, I am going to recommend the PC version of that game over over the Switch one, because that is a game you want on a high resolution monitor in front of your face with uh, like a hardwired controller that that's not going to start drifting after a year of regular use. So I think I just play the game wrong. And I've been thinking more about this because of the game I've been playing mostly recently that I'll talk about in a little bit, which is also a run based roguelike being Spelunky 2. I button mesh like I just play it like I'm playing Bayonetta or something. I just button mesh like, and I've and in the runs where I've taken it slow and I've like understood the boons I've chosen and how they affect yeah. my weapon. I've yeah. always done way better. But the game allows you to just because as we talked about in the last episode, like you have so many invulnerable like iframes, right? That. I can just dance around the stage because I want to get as far as possible in as fast as possible. That's kind of how I feel about roguelikes. I want to like have a run where I jump in and I, I move really quickly and I just try and get to where I last, basically getting to where I last left off. So, you know, getting to Bone Hydra or whatever and, you know, then progressing through Elysium and stuff, um, which doesn't always work. And actually, most of the time doesn't work. And I feel like Hades is one of these games that it allows you to have the, uh, like as George was saying, like the particle effects and the 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 amazing action of it because it feels really good and the weapons feel great. But the way you're going to be successful is when you really pay attention to like 
how these boons are helping you, what you need to do. There are traps around the stage. That means you can lure enemies into them. And if you're smart and you won't get hit by them. And if you take it a little slower, you, you're almost always guaranteed to do better. Mm-hmm. But I, I just can't do, it. do that. Like I, I like that I can literally dash around the screen like a mad god and wipe enemies out until I get to a point where then I just, you know, dash into lava in the second biome and i'm like oh great i've lost like half of my health and now my run's fucked you can get away with that with some builds you might have a lot of fun playing with the boxing gloves if you have unlocked so i i mostly use the like the staff like the throwing spin i always want to aim for the boon that gives me the shot so like it, I don't have to worry about it coming back to me. Like, for example, with Bone Hydra, like I can stand at the bottom of the screen and I can just throw the thing. And I'm like, this is great. I'm just, I'm cheating here. But then <laughs> as I get into Elysium and face more of the uh, tif- difficult enemies that can move pretty quickly towards you, that becomes like null and void. And then I'm like, ah, yeah, that's good wall. game balance. This, yeah. It, and then especially kind of, the Minotaur. And yeah, I'm hitting, a, I'm hitting a wall then. And I'm like, fuck. You're going to want to start kiting enemies around corners and stuff in Elysium. Like, you can still pack and slash your way through a yeah. whole run, but you will have to gradually... I say gradually, you will have to get a lot more smarter with it once you get to Elysium. Like, like even Asphodel is a pushover before Elysium. Especially those uh, archers, they chew me up every single time. So you hide behind the statue. Yeah, like like I, I I quit thinking stopping. of the game as a smash. Stopping is so hard. It's so hard to just stop. Like physically stop Zangrius in that game. I know. Like I just want to press the dash. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's because hitting shit feels so good. Feels so good. And yeah. they're so smart. Like Greg and the team, I love them. They're so smart. Like hitting statues gives you nothing, but you can break everything. And that is so important. Game feel is so important. And this is such a classic example of like excellent game feel that makes you like it drives you to test your weapons and experiment with your movement a lot. The second upgrade to the gloves is like this kind of um it's nearly like a scorpion spear get over here thing where you pull enemies <laughs> in towards you and then you uppercut them and it feels so good. And yeah. I am I am having trouble picking other weapons just because I love that moveset mm. so much. And you can unlock an upgrade then where using that, killing an enemy with that gives you like 2% health back. And so some rooms like, you know, in the, temple, in the temple of Nyx with the rats where you just enter and there's like just a thousand rats. You just like hit, try it. You, you just hit Y and you just half your health is back. And it feels like amazing. I do care a hell of a damn lot about healing items in this game because they are rare. Yep. I need to play more of this game. I haven't played in like two weeks um, f- for the fact that I've been playing and I've been cheating by playing another roguelike. And I do every time I boot it up, I know if I play Spelunky, I'm going to play for like two hours, but every run is like 30 seconds long in most cases. So it feels like I'm making a lot of progress and I'm, I'm learning faster with Hades. My runs are always like 15 to 20 minutes getting to like Elysium and then pretty far in that and then always dying. And I'm like, ah, like, so one run puts me off trying again, but I do, I do want to play more. And it's amazing to see like how many people it's weird because I bought Hades when it was in early access and I've been playing it since then. 
And I already thought the Hades sort of wave had ridden. Obviously, with early access, you never know with these things. But since the 1.0 version has come out with the Switch version, like it seems like it's a brand new release, and everybody yeah. who hasn't played it is talking about it. And well, for me, like I, I've been recommending Hades a lot, but um, when I knew it was coming to Switch, that for me was like, well, I'm not touching it until it's on until it's on Switch, just because mm. it's a roguelike. I'm gonna want to travel with this. I'm I I want to get a lot out of this. Uh huh. And I ended up kind of sort of regretting going with the Switch version over the PC version. So that's some um, more more irony for our ages for yeah. us here. Uh, George, uh, you mentioned you mentioned your Joy-Con was kind of your Joy-Cons weren't working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I finally gave in and spent the obscene amount of money it is to purchase new Joy-Cons. And I'm not going to say I don't regret it. But it just feels like it is like a weight lifted. How long? How long are they going to last? I, I I am such a doomer that that's what I'm going to think if I buy a new one. Can I take a stab at the colors you bought, John? Go for it. Purple and orange. No. Damn. No, I just went with the classic blue and red because I always really liked how that looked. And I got just got the gray it one. It does look so nice. boring. I also started playing uh, Ring Fit. And so I wanted good Joy-Cons for that because I'd be like squeezing it. And it would be like, ah, 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 too early. And I'd be like, motherfucker, it's not too early. Oh, my God. I know exactly how you feel because I have two sets of Joy-Cons as well, blue and red and purple and orange. And the purple and orange ones, as like, same as you, my blue and red started fucking up. So I bought, shelled out the obscene money for the fucking purple and orange ones. And when I use them, there are no problems, no problems whatsoever. That that ring treats me nicely, and it understands that I'm doing my exercise correctly. Soon as I accidentally use the blue and red ones instead, especially the red one, it being inside of the freaking ring, like that game doesn't know what I'm doing. It doesn't know if I'm doing squats or I'm doing running or anything. Yeah, I've played with fucked up controllers before, but there's some added oh, extra bad. layer to it when it's like... Especially when you're fighting Drago and you're like exhausted and you're pushing the ring in and they're like, yep, just push it in. And it's like, I am. I am pushing it in. I should be beating this stupid, sexy dragon. This is as hard as I can go. <laughs> yeah. When, you, um, when you've done, like, when you're like on your 30th squat and you just want to fucking die and you want more than anything for the stupid, sexy dragon to die. <laughs> and you're like, I'm... As low as I can go. How are you not registering? Please, Miyamoto Master, please, for fuck's sake. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> On a side note, I do wonder why they made that dragon so sexy. And like, you know, I would say that dragons, or really any animal, or anthropomorphic being is not my thing. Oh, we're towing a line here. I really feel like they went for something with that guy's design, and I think they had to have known what they were doing. I mean, it's like corresponding, right? We had Sexy Zelda in Breath of the Wild. We had Twin Tail in Arms. And then we got Sexy Dragon with big rippling biceps and chest. And Yeah, buttocks. and I'm, I'm, I am not complaining. I'm just curious as to the shift in philosophy. Sex sells. <laughs> Sometimes the horniness embedded inside Nintendo comes out every now and then. Remember that this is the company that gave us Zero Suit Samus. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. It's very true. You know, they are they're only as as wholesome and and family friendly until until you are reminded that they are a Japanese video game company like <laughs> like many many others. I've hung out with some of those Nintendo guys and they are 
They're not as innocent as they may seem. <laughs> so I have a distressing thought to add to the pile. Is it about sexy dragons? It's about uh, how my eyeballs don't work the same as other people. Are you guys telling me that the Nintendo Switch controllers have been blue and red this whole time? I thought they were blue and orange. But now that you mention it, it turned into red. I googled it up and now that's red. I thought it was orange <laughs> and now it looks red to me because you, you mentioned- ah! It's blue and red like Mario's colors. But, but it's not quite, is it? Because there are the Mario Odyssey red colors. It's a very bright red. Yeah, very, very yeah. bright. Like, I, I don't think that's that weird, George, that you would see it that way. So they're, they're technically called neon blue and neon red. So I think you can be forgiven, George, considering your uh, your issues. If I held an orange up to, to my Joy-Con and looked at them side by side, I seriously wonder if they would just blur it together. <laughs> So what do, what do you what do you think the purple and orange Joy-Cons look like? Uh, let me Google that because I've always had trouble with um, purples, purple and orange Joy-Cons. Mm. Oh, see, one of the problems is that you got my brain thinking in purple. And if you hadn't have said that, I might have looked at it and thought, okay, that's a flavor of orange. Wait, so the purple is here. The purple here is the problem now for you. It's funny, though, because the, the orange does look a little bit like a neon yellow green. Well, it is called neon orange, so. Okay, that looks more like a yellowy green to me, like a baby vomit yellow. What about the neon green, neon pink colors? Okay, neon green, neon pink. Gee, you guys should never play Among Us with us. <laughs> because I am so, so bad at this. Okay, I'm guessing the one on the left is neon green, though I wouldn't... It almost looks pinkish. Wow. The, that neon green almost looks pink, like a hot pink to me. The green looks more green than, than I could otherwise describe. That is a, like, freshly cut, sunny day lawn green. But whatever... Yes, it's not far off. What what whatever this color on the left is That's absolutely looks like a hot neon Britney Spears nineteen ninety nine yeah. pink to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pretty spot on. So, so it's it's the yellow. Apparently. Wait, so what so, color Joy Cons do you have, or do you just not know? There's no way to tell. I thought it was blue and orange this whole time, but apparently it's blue and red. And now I'm <laughs> now I'm just gonna. My brain is going to think that every time I lay eyes on it from here on out, because the, the subtleties and the, the word associations. Which one of the dads are you? I, I, well, I know I'm the one on the <laughs> left. They have positional assignments. Uh, we, 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 can, we, can, we can change topics uh, now if, uh, if that's cool with you guys. Can I talk about Spelunky for a little while? Go for it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all I've been doing. And it's funny, coming off Hades, which is a game that Everything else outside of the video game is amazing, and there's so much of it. Content, art, voice acting, music, there's fucking everything. And then playing a game like Spelunky 2, which has almost none of that, and is just pure roguelike chaos incarnate, is kind of jarring. It's weird to see how roguelikes have... You know, we've gone through uh, this whole renaissance of roguelikes in the past couple of years, but now we're seeing like the the return of basically the daddy of modern roguelikes come back in like a perfect best of hits form. 
I don't know how you guys feel felt about the original Spelunky. I could never I could never get into it, but I always felt like there was nearly a reluctance to on my part because I knew if I did, if I had a second binding of Isaac on my hands, that would wreak havoc on my life. Do you know that kind of way? Where it's like, I bet I would love this if I took the time to learn it, but maybe that's something I don't need right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, I've gone back and forth, on and off it, rather, over the years, and I've genuinely had fun every time. It is one of my favorite roguelikes, but mm. I've always, I've never gotten to the end of it, and I feel like that game's difficulty curve is kind of a wall, and that's what's been a little reluctant for me for Spelunky 2. Last podcast, I was punching myself in the shower because I said, I think Spelunky might be my favorite roguelike, but no, it's absolutely Cadence of Hyrule. For some reason, I forgot about that because Cadence is such a different... Well, actually, yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, I think even compared to Hades, Hades might have taken the spot from Spelunky, but I do, Cadence of Hyrule was was just a magical childhood wish fulfillment sort of game for me. It was like engineered, it was pandering to me. I, I don't know if you can really compete with those sorts of nostalgia pandering vibes. That was a good time. Well, you'll still dislike or not finish Spelunky then, because Spelunky 2 is pretty much the same game, but harder, it turns Ah. out. (laughs) I definitely think this game is harder, and I started out hating this game, truly disliking it, like to a point where I was thinking they really just, they not Derek, but like specifically the team who worked on it, Blitzwork and everything, that they kind of just like took what they thought was good about the original game and was like, yeah, this works, do it again. It's random levels, you know, some hidden items, it's all good. We'll put some more difficult enemies in there because fuck those mole rats. Fuck them. And they were like, yep, there we go. Science sealed and delivered, got some new pretty art, some procedural music going on, it's all good. And I was really like getting nowhere after playing multiplayer originally with with Justin Ma, and then get it because he would. I, I didn't know how much he was carrying me. Oh, it turns out he was carrying me a lot because I was not getting past one two, and I was like so disheartened. I was like, "Wow, this game is really fucking hard," but I wanted to keep playing. Because each run is literally like 30 seconds for the most part. You you jump in, you dive in, you throw a, a, a vase, and then a snake pops out and kills you. And you're like, ah, okay, I know why I died. You try again. Ah, oh, you lasted one minute this time. I fell on some spikes. Don't fall on the spikes. Go down by a rope and walk through them instead. And you're See, safe. See, that, that, that stuff is like, I cannot resist that kind of like just incremental learning cycles and that's why i think this game might destroy me so it's so interesting because even though i hated it because it felt so horrible to me the difference between it and hades is i am so clear on how i died this Mm -hmm, game does mm -hmm. not fuck around with you it tells you and even then you have an innate understanding of I fucked up. I fucked up. Yeah. Me. The game didn't kill me. I fucked. I knew that I could see that mole rat was going to pop out. And I still, my hubris was that I didn't jump over that fucking mole rat when I knew I should. And it it drives me insane because the, the what is 
now become so smart about this game that I really love and why I can't stop playing it is that I'm good at the game in my head. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that feeling. Oh, I'm good at no. the game in my head because oh. I understand it so mechanically because it's such a mechanic driven game. It's so mechanic. Like you, every, every enemy has a basic AI, right? They have super basic AI snakes. They just move back and forth. Mole rats, they move back and forth and then they jump in the ground and they try and follow you and they pop out and they run back and forth. Skeletons pop up, walk back and forth. Cavemen walk back and forth, trip over, fall asleep. If they see you, they run at you. I can explain every enemy pattern that I've come across in the game. And I've got to world three. Uh, that's the furthest I've ever gotten so far in this game. But that's what's so fucking smart about this game is everything is so simple, but it's layered on top of a, an ecosystem chemistry that is so interesting because enemies pick up items. So like you'll throw a vase and it will break and there'll be gems in it. And you'll be like, ah, shit, the gem. And then the caveman will come along and pick up the gem and start walking with it. And you're like, oh no, don't, now he's moved the position of it. And oh, you're like, so oh good. shit. And then like, he'll fall down and you'll chase him. You'll get really, like, you'll be like, oh shit, I need to get moving. And then he will have fallen on some spikes and killed himself. But you don't know that because he's a dumbass and you followed him because you're a dumbass. And now you've <laughs> fallen on the spikes as well. And you have to start again. It's infuriating. It's really interesting. Like. I guess hearing you talk about like grad, like being like, okay, I now have this piece of information and that will not happen next time. Cause with Hades, I nearly feel like it's more like I died at this level because I picked the least efficient boon like eight rooms ago. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I do. The the thing that, that would just get me with Spelunky is that I, I would have a clear as day screen in front of me, a clear as day reason for the death. But whenever it actually happens, it happens in a flash. Mm. That That is the case. But I find that s s similar with Hades. I think once you understand your life. So in Spelunky, once you, after a couple of runs, you realize how much damage everything deals with to you. Most enemies deal one, traps deal two. And then if you fall, you can deal two. So you kind of have an innate understanding of like what the danger level is around you. So even when you die, you kind of like... Yeah, that arrow trap I tripped killed me. I had two health. And then you start calculating things automatically and subconsciously in your head while you're playing. And it's just so smart. And like the game wants you to hate it. But then it's like, hey, if you stick around long enough, you're going to feel smart. But you're still going to make no fucking progress because the game is really hard. That kind of is maybe my biggest negative is that you will make it all the way through you know, world one, you'll go one, 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 two, one, three, one, four, beat the boss, get through. And you'll be like, fuck yes. But then as soon as you open one of the biomes from world two, whether it's the lava one or the forest one, you immediately are just like, I'm never going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and you try and you die and then you start again. Thankfully, Spelunky has a shortcut system that once you pay a certain amount, you can get a shortcut from the beginning to jump to any biome. So you can yeah. actually practice the next biomes. And that's what I've started doing. And I feel like I can make more progress now. I really, really wish Hades had that actually. Like I would be so down to jump into Elysium. I don't need the boons. I just want to wail on that Minotaur just to learn the patterns before the real deal. So I think it's the smartest thing you can ever do, which is... Instead of like punishing the player for making it far and not understanding, give them the ability to pay 
for the knowledge. It's like yeah. Spelunky. The, uh, like your actions don't mean shit, right? The game doesn't require... Sometimes it requires you to have some sort of Mario Bros. level of platforming, but it's not that extensive. It just wants you to have knowledge of your surrounding and to make quick decisions. Like, do I go left because I can bomb that hole and then I can go down, get that gem and then move out, grab the turkey, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's like <laughs> kind of thinking like chess, but a little. Like, you, there's no action. It's just knowledge, right? So right. the smartest thing this game does is allow you those shortcuts, which means you can go and get the knowledge, but your scores don't count. But it allows you to then take that into a a seed uh, into a seeded daily challenge run or just the normal run from the start but it means that once you get through the world that you've already demolished like one one even though you make mistakes often you can get through it to one four pretty easy and then from two one you're like okay i've been practicing these enemies i've been practicing this biome i know what the traps are you get further it's instead of this grind where you have to keep doing that loop of the easy biome that you now understand and then making tiny incremental stuff so i think that's really good uh and while the game is it is fucking hard and i don't know if i'll ever finish in it because i will get bored um but it's so piecemeal that i can turn it on and i can listen to a podcast and i can just keep going in a repetitive loop of understanding and learning and feel good and like when i started playing i was terrible i get killed by traps all the time but now I carry an item with me everywhere I go and I drop it and I trigger arrow traps and I make everything bounce off the walls and I feel super, super duper smart. I guess that's why people really, really like these games. Like I like Spelunky 1, but I never got that far with it. I, like I was playing it on the Vita and it was a great time and I can understand why, but you know, it didn't feel for me. Whereas Spelunky 2, not only aesthetically, I think it's more interesting, like the biomes, especially like the forest and the third world biomes, which is kind of like an underwater China. It, they are beautiful Ooh. to look at and I really like the way they look. Um, it doesn't have the... I don't want to say the magic of Hades. Like Hades is like a once in a generation type of game where just every facet of it hits on a certain level that nobody can argue with, right? It's like, if you don't like action comic games, there's like a dating visual novel in there for you to enjoy. If you don't like that sort of aspect, you can fucking just run past everybody and then just go into your room and then go fight everybody. I do want to advise people who are having a hard time with Hades. There is no shame in turning on God mode. I may or may not have done that at some points for the sake of getting this video out. Oh, John, have you done that? I didn't know that existed. So what God Mode does is it increases your resistance every time you fail, your damage resistance. So it doesn't feel like cheating, but it does. It's more like an easy mode than it is a God Mode. I, I kind of wish they might have labeled it that instead, and I might have jumped on it earlier. So, yeah, you have to die a couple of times before you really feel the... Like, you're, you're still going to be having the intended experience when you tick that option menu, but it, it absolutely will make things easy for you if you're having trouble mm. i don't know if i would want that like just for me personally because i think like the process of learning those games and like taking your lumps is such a part of it for me but i think if it makes it more accessible to people who like wouldn't play that kind of game i think that's a good thing mm -hmm. so the other thing i can think about which would make it really good for that game and uh, and also really good for super train is if you have that mode on, it means your ability to like run around and claim all of the talking to the gods and making sure you get all of the conversation bits and all of the story. Mm. And you don't want to have to go through the grind of this really hard game as well. You're like, I just want to talk to Aphrodite one more time. 
but I have to get killed like a few times before I even get there. It feels like that's kind of a good mode for you to be like, well, I've finished the game a couple of times. I want to mop up all of the different conversations. I want mm. to experience that content. Then, yeah. It, it is less of a god mode than it is mode. And I think that's kind of a testament to like how useful optional easy modes can be because I'm literally playing this on gift hardware. <laughs> like my controllers are not going to be giving me the same degree of of reliability that, that this game is intended to be played with. Mm, so I, yeah. I did not feel a sting when I turned it on or anything. And there was still a challenge to the gameplay to be had. Yeah, I think with Spelunky, that game you can just play for it. And it's weird. I jumped into a Discord today that um, is a podcast based around Spelunky, but it's mostly a game design podcast. And um, they have like a whole Spelunky 2 spoiler channel going on in there. And I was looking at some of the, because I don't really care about spoilers for that game. So I was looking at some of the stuff that people had been doing like later in the game. And I'm like, oh my God, there is levels beyond levels <laughs> of depth and secrets to this. So if you are... I love that feeling where it's like, I had no idea that like this that's where this goes and you see like the kind of skill progression like i think that's super fun somebody said something about like sticky bombing a big fish and i was like <laughs> one i have never seen sticky bombs and two i've never seen a big fish so <laughs> and i played the game for 10 hours already <laughs> like, yeah it feels like they're you know same as the first game you know there's a lot of secrets to it and and t- well it may lack that that substantial content like that Haiti has Hades has in sort of its polish and mm. flair and its sexy gods. Spunky's like, hey, do you remember old school games where you like bomb a cave and then there's a cave and you get items? <laughs> hey, yep. you can do that here. You have to fucking work your ass off it, but you'll get there. So it's good. If you guys don't mind, I might want to uh, rave and gush and prostitalize and evangelize for a second here about something I have played for two hours that I think is the coolest damn thing in the world for the two hours I played. God, I nearly bought this, so I hope you're going to tell me it'd be worth it if I did. Squadroons, baby! Star Wars Squadroons! Okay. Oh! (laughs) Oh my god. That is the most violent headshake I've ever seen George do. (laughs) <laughs> this is like the strongest first impressions I think I've I've gotten a dose of in in years upon years. I say that no, Half Life Alex was like the last time I giggled this hard, smiled this hard, was just amazed at what I was seeing happening in front of my face in a video game this hard. So yeah, I bought after wrapping up the video, I, I managed to squeeze in two hours of uh, playing the the prologue mission and some training obstacle courses in squadrons. And I did it in VR with with a joystick. And it's, it is, oh, it is, oh! In VR, right? You've been playing specifically in VR? If people people can't see the video, George is actually sweating. I'm a bit aroused. I, I played it only in VR. The I, I only had it switched to flat screen mode just to put in my, my EA origin username and fun password, which has me a little bit worried if, if this game has some online, always online DRM bullshit I, I don't do not yet know about. But oh god, that that was I can't believe how much of a blast from the past this feels. Like speaking of of nostalgia pandering childhood wish fulfillment, this is what I did imagine video games would be around this time when I was a kid playing TIE Fighter. This is the follow-up 
to one of my favorite games of all time that was a niche kind of specialized genre for for age subgenre of games that have gone away out of the mainstream that that they managed to bring up now in the much more mass marketable lowest common denominator the evil corporate investor controlled game industry of 2020 it's a hardcore space sim kind of there's two options at the beginning that i immediately checked and one turns off your heads up display so that you actually have to look around your cockpit at the instruments flashing to know what how how many weapons you have and and what your um power management is looking like and the uh other option that you can tick is a um a, a difficulty slider that that makes all the ships super duper fragile and and able to be destroyed after just like three good hits so pew, pew. and like movie style especially when your head is like shaking and and you're flying through it and you're like twisting the yaw on the joystick so that you're spinning your way through the explosion and um you you actually are keeping your peripheral vision scanning at a little scanner in the corner sometimes you look behind your back and see R2D2 like repairing some some damage you're doing oh that's the cockpits really cool. there are oh, so so many moving parts to the cockpits that it's 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 gorgeous to watch, and I, I I can't comment on how different it is playing it in flat screen mode versus VR mode. I, I wonder if I'll ever take myself out of the VR mode and what, what this might do to my skill in the multiplayer matches. Even even the, the single player prologue was like delivering narrative beats on a level that was satisfying for storytelling reasons. Like uh, the, the first mission has you switch both sides kind of sort of ish in real time in the mission much like the very beginning of, of everyone's favorite david cage game indigo prophecy there's some real interesting character switching stuff going on in a story that like follows emotionally complicated imperial defectors versus uh hot shot super duper uh neutral good rebels who are like charismatic and have wonderfully smarmy voice actors there's a little like hologram of Admiral Akbar that pops up that gives you orders. The cockpits also look incredibly distinguishable from one another to the point where visibility is something you have to keep in mind. The X-Wing cockpit has a lot more visibility than the TIE Fighter one, and they trade that- Oh, like literal, like, up where your head is. Yeah, yeah, oh, the, okay. the X-Wing cockpit kind of sort of um, blocks out any view from maybe like underneath the uh, chin level, whereas the, the TIE Fighter- cockpit looks like a small window that you were looking at for the outside world and one of the things that Fuck, I, that's I, cool. I naturally adapted to as a TIE pilot that I did not have to do as an X-Wing pilot is like kind of sort of smushing my head against that window to, to get a better view of what's going on that's, and in yeah, the old TIE really fighter cool. game like you were fiddling with the POV hat switch to try and track your targets if they were in your peripheral and this is just such such a, a more natural and immersive way to do it that instantly clicks with your brain one of the things that i did not think they would do in 2020 is hangar style menus where you are clicking around an imperial hangar to like go to your pilot customization screen of which there is a surprising amount of options to do you could change your clothes your voice your hair uh, uh, the option nah. screen in this game is huge. <laughs> there are so many settings for for customizing your your joystick and your your hot ass um, peripherals. If if you pay big money for one of those, I I've heard that the implementation does get more and more um, janky the more obscure your hardware setup gets. But I was using a an ancient 
Logitech Extreme 3D Thrustmaster. And it worked right out of the gate. No need for calibration. All the buttons were assigned to something that makes sense on that button. The one and only problem with this game that I, I was able to decipher in the two hours I played, I, I want better button labels for my joystick. I wonder if I okay. can make uh, some some mods, just throw some some image files in a folder somewhere to get that working out. But it does tell you to like push button 11 instead of... Uh, X. You know, I don't know what they would say. I might print out or, or draw and sticky labels on the buttons myself, but I do got to do something to, to change that besides just raw sheer memorization. Other than that, yeah, I'm I'm getting all hot and bothered thinking about it. I can't wait to hop in that thing again. It is it is childhood wish fulfillment par excellence. Did it? make you feel sick because that's what i'm worried about i had no. some people no I some, the cockpit like, i think helps yeah but also i think the stick helps as well because you move your head and your stick at different orientations but with a controller i'm a bit i don't have a stick so i'd have to play with the controller so i'm worried that as i do the like the v on no no which is move the the orientation of the ship so it points a different direction and my head doesn't go with it, like is immediately going to make me feel sick. The virtual arms of your TIE fighter pilot roughly correlate to where your hands will be holding a controller. The virtual arms of your X-wing pilot seem more suited to players who are using some kind of fancy ass expensive hot ass mm. uh, segment. The TIE fighter pilot has kind of a steering wheel that he holds with both hands in front of him. So if you're sitting in a chair with both hands on a controller in front of you, you could kind of look up and down and have some synchronicity going on there that I was not getting with the joystick. The X-Wing pilot has a joystick between his legs and a throttle to his left. And there's a friend of mine who I'm super duper jealous of who bought a setup where you can break off the throttle from the joystick and actually put them in the right proper positions. Oh, wow, that's cool. cool. The the other thing going on is that the cockpit takes up so much of your screen and is such a... um important point of visual reference because you're always glancing back and forth from your foreground to the background that uh it it follows a lot of guidelines i was reading a few years ago for vr game development where having a fixed point of reference in front of your face like just a virtual nose for example is something that does cause a lot of players to cure their motion sickness i did not feel any motion sickness at all whatsoever i also have accustomed to this oh, i'm so tempted i really want to try this in vr i still have the <sighs> oculus rift lying around from alex and i'm like i haven't used it since and i only want to play this game in vr like a you know a dogfighting multiplayer game sounds fun for a little while but n not something that's going to hold my attention um, i i am worried if mm -hmm. um i'm gonna absolutely suck ass at the multiplayer because i died twice on this prologue mission and i'm kind of like I'm okay with that because I, I set the difficulty. So like, I know that the game is cross play across all the platforms, right? But is it like, if that must mean there's a bigger pool of players possible. So a VR players segmented with only VR players and then non-VR players play with know. only non-VR players. That would make more sense to me. Visibility would be a concern. Seeing distant targets is something that I think uh, VR players are definitely going to be handicapped on. I can't comment more on that, though, until I actually go into the multiplayer mode. But I what what really like breaks my heart these days is that I almost dread it. I don't know if I'm looking forward to playing against real players with this because they're probably going to match me up against people who are way too damn good for me. 
And I just I, I miss the days of, of hopping into a 60 player battlefield server where you had like like 40 noobs and 20 good players and you could rack <laughs> up some easy kills. How, how big are the games? I don't know. I can't comment. I did not play the multiplayer, but the, the campaign is good so far. So the one thing I do want to know about what happens when you explode? Are you like in the cockpit for the moment of the explosion and like you can see flames engulf you and then it cuts or do they immediately cut the camera? Uh, in VR, they fade to black, then fade to a cinematic camera of your ship spinning out and Cowards. blowing up. I want, I like the classic Star Wars, like, like image of like pilots, like f- the camera facing them and then the whole thing engulfs in flames around that, them. That, clarify. Okay. Your, your ship engulfs in flames, then it fades to black, then it cuts to the cinematic oh, of your okay, ship spinning okay. out and blowing up. It, it doesn't dwell on I, your- I want to your... see myself burning in vr i want to say like what is the terrifying notion of my i ship want to being see my limbs from... float off into the vast cosmic entity of space i want to see my head land on another x-wings like wipers in the 1991 <laughs> tie fighter game if you mash the eject button you actually get a cinematic view of like a little coffin pod shooting out and drifting through space <laughs> um one of the coolest freaking moments of speaking of like like uh teleological HUD gimmicks and immersing yourself into the horror of, of this situation is that the X-Wing cockpit does have a lot more glass than the, the, the TIE Fighter cockpit and that cracks and I couldn't help but notice that I would like naturally crane my head around to look through an angle where the light was not refracting through the crack oh, that- in a way <sighs> that it was blocking my vision. There's so many, like I don't know if it's like smart or like <laughs> If they super duper well thought out the game design of this stuff, but it is so chock full of immersive gimmicks. It's like the ultimate VR game, right? It's like sitting in a cockpit immediately cancels out like most of the development problems you're going to have with VR. And then you're putting your setting players in like some of the most iconic cockpits ever. It's like almost like a free pass that in VR, this game was always going to be good, especially if you could use a flight stick. Even like if you don't like Star Wars, I think, you know, it's still going to be pretty, pretty good. This this is something that, that anyone who who's been into Star Wars has wanted since the dawn of VR and 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 for them to finally put this out and, and actually get it as good as it's felt so far for me is is just oh it it tickles me pink there's there's a lot of good games coming out right now and a lot of good reasons to break out the vr headset these days there is a lot of games right now i am tickled pink to get back into that helmet and and play play this ghost hunting fan phantasmagoria game that's coming out oh yeah there's that as well that's dominating steam I checked it i can't believe something like that has the amount of reviews and sales it has it's crazy I I never did catch up with Asgard's Wrath too. There's um uh Walking Dead Saints and Sinners I want to get into too. I I got the VR headset set up again. I glued some command strips on my wall and put the sensors up and dusted everything off and I am I I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. Oh god, I I I'm going to have to break out the VR and try this. I'm just going to have to I need to give it a shot and see. I'm I'm afraid it's going to make me sick, but that's just because my last VR experience was trying a car game demo, and that made me violently ill. 
And that's the first time I've ever had VR sickness. And I didn't think it would happen inside of like a, a set down position. But that game, it gave me like a hangover for like four days. It was Ugh. terrifying. <laughs> I hated it. That's what worries me about it. Because like I, I cycle everywhere. I never go in even cars. And when I go in cars, I start to get like a little motion sickness. And I think a VR, the wrong VR game could destroy me. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it does, but your body, I don't, it does depend on everyone. Everyone's body reacts differently, but I did have that experience. It was Resident Evil 7 that that adjusted me and got my VR legs in, but I was being destroyed. Like, Alex never bothered me. Like, there was nothing in Alex that ever bothered me. Beat Saber doesn't bother me. Like, and you move a lot in those games, but I think uh, there's a big correlation between how it controls and when you take natural control away from the player. Like when you're shoving things in front of their face, it's fine because their head is static and like, you know, in real life things can come up, but nobody like walks up to you, grabs your head and then rotates it left without you <laughs> asking. And that's kind of what happens with a controller. And that's what freaks me out. Like the disconnect of your head and a controller just moving in different ways. It's like, whoa, whoa, please don't do that. Yeah, I, I think you're going to be OK. I think especially in the TIE Fighter okay. cockpit where there is a matchup of your character's virtual arms with your controller. All right. Well, fingers crossed. I, I'm going to give it a try before next week then, I think. I want to hear about 13 Sentinels from Mr. Eyepatch Wolf because I heard that you've been playing 13 Sentinels and that sounds like a better anime game than Genshin Impact. I have no interest in Genshin Impact so <laughs> Please take it away because I want to hear all about this because I was this close to also purchasing this. Okay, 13 Sentinels, newest game from Vanillaware. And I have like a strange relationship with Vanillaware where like I am just like fascinated by what they do and I love what they do but I feel like if I'm kind of honest with myself I never enjoy their games as much as I think I want to do you know what I mean yes yes like, apart from Muramasa yeah so I understand that so Muramasa is my only exception that I'm like actually that is a pretty damn good game with Dragon's Crown I can't see what the hell's happening on the screen yeah, uh, like, like, I, I like, I, I like Muramasa and I beat Muramasa, but even with that, I feel like it was fun to play, but I don't feel like the game design was ever good enough to actually use its mechanics in really interesting ways. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Now there were there were some good fights. Like I liked a lot of the fights with the kind of more human enemies, where you really had to concentrate on like timed blocks and stuff. I thought they were cool. Yeah, when you start jumping around in the air and stuff, it wasn't that fun. There was a lot of me jumping around in the air doing my special moves in front of giant boss pngs mm. <laughs> boss you know I mean? pngs i like that i like that um so 13 sentinels is the new game from them and it is fucking beautiful like i would say this game looks better than all their other games and like it's it's crazy because like with Muramasa, like you know they're doing it with these like giant open like japanese fields of rural japan all mm. these like crazy fantasy monsters in like you know dragon's crown it's like um you know a big dungeon with an epic fucking hydra at the end or something like that but with 13 sentinels it's like it's like a shed and you're like, this is the most fucking beautiful shed I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, it's crazy how good this looks. Like, and like, I can't, some of it looks a little janky in that, like, it'll do like a 3D pan across the city and like they're the most, you know, low fi 3D assets possible. But then when the camera <laughs> settles and you can see that they have just like, 
They have just like pruned every tiny piece of this room to look just absolutely amazing. And like the lights coming in, the cur- cur- like the window at a certain angle and like getting secondary action, like on everything, like everything in the game moves. They put motion in every background and it's beautiful. That's the strongest impression the game's made of me. I'm about four or five hours in and okay. the combat system is still opening up, but it's a weird one because... The thing I could probably compare it most to is, have you ever played Parasite Eve? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, not Parasite Eve. Hybrid Heaven. Theory? Heaven. It was an N64 game and it was a turn-based kind of beat-em-up. So the way it works, okay, never mind. So the way it works in 13 (laughs) Sentinels is that you have your mech when you're actually like playing the game. You're in a mech. I just typed in hybrid theory. That was not a good idea. No, Fair that enough. was the that was the classic Linkin Park album. The greatest new metal album of the all time. The greatest piece of music ever. And <laughs> so it's basically it lays it lays you it lays you out on like this, you know, kind of big gridded map. Like think of something like uh, like um, Advance Wars or something like that, except you have free movement. You're not confined to a grid. And so the way it works is it actually all plays out in real time, but at any point you can stop and issue your character's commands. You look horrified, Liam. I, I just saw the textures in Hybrid Heaven and I r- recoiled in horror. <laughs> These buildings look like they've been vomited on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's it's cool. Like it, it feels good, but it's strange because like when I feel like at some point the visual treatment of these battles was like shuffled around. Because when you do a move, there's no like big cinematic or anything. It's just like, you know, the rockets, like you're little and they're really like far away in low detail. Your little mech will like slide up to the enemy and the enemy will like vibrate and like that's the kind of visual feedback you're getting for doing the moves. But if you actually go into the menus, you can see that they've done these really elaborate animations for your character's actions, but they just kind of pop up in a mini screen whenever you like hover over them. And I do feel like maybe the battles are missing kind of some of the presentation that would have made them, that would have made you feel like you are fighting like giant insects in this like dystopian city. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've watched a couple of videos of it and like a couple of reviews and Putting aside the fact that I really wish I was playing a huge mech giant kaiju beat em up mm. like Dragon's Crown in that style, it does look pretty weak visually. That they're just the battles. Like it's like yeah. you're playing, you're like in the control room of like Nerf for Evangelion and you're deploying the Evas and you're basically just sitting there like Shinji's dad and you're telling them to go do stuff and it's all hologram and it doesn't, it doesn't represent the battle enough you're not getting a close-up of the monsters you're not really seeing what your character's actions are um and like it's a shame because like it seems fun like it seems like the, the battle could definitely have some legs and then the actual like story itself where you spend the majority of the game is this it's a very like high school anime story about like you know a bunch of different protagonists and some of them are from the future and some of them are not from the future and it's all very like overlappy and this guy likes this girl, but this girl likes that guy and this guy's a girl and it's it it goes places. Um and so that's yeah, that's the thing I'm most intrigued by because being not a big visual novel guy, I feel like 
a lot of what I heard means the story is really going to sell it in the long run. Like, it, yeah. it's like the payoff or whatever. I mean, you've only played a couple of hours, so obviously yeah. it's And, like, I'm still in, you. you know, like, I'm still, I'm still, like, I'm still willing to see where this goes. And the game did score crazy well in Japan and, like, has gotten a lot of really good reviews. Mm. I think Yoko Taro said it was one of his, one of his favorite games of the generation. Yeah, and uh, Sakurai as well. Yeah. Sakurai was like, this is one of my favorite games. So, so like, I'm definitely, like, interested to see where it goes. It's just gonna. It's just gonna depend, I guess, like how intriguing the story gets and if the combat does kind of evolve past being simple. Put it this way: I've been playing like my current rotation is like Moon, Hades, and this, and Thirteen Sentinels is the one that's kind of like gotten kicked to the side a little bit. I'm scrolling through some uh, uh, gameplay footage here, and uh, I got to uh, some some parts where there's some portrait art of uh, the kids in the robots. <laughs> 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 I are they naked? Is. Uh, every one of them, yes. Why do they gotta get naked to to get in the robots? So George, I'm an anime YouTuber, and <laughs> you see, you need to understand how many times I've seen that to the point that it doesn't even register anymore. I, this is Vanillaware we're talking about, but even even by Vanillaware standards, that's a little uh 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 much i mean how else are you gonna i'm not disagreeing with you but i really can't tell you how many times i have seen that and it's like oh okay i see we're doing this george how else are you gonna power up a giant robot yeah that's what i'm confused about plug it in the wall <laughs> i got the science is there george no calls <laughs> the science is there like, like I remember, Evangelion was was big on like the the unbirthing metaphor of it all, but but they still like <laughs> they still had had wetsuits on inside the the goop bot. Imagine how much more quickly they would have beaten those angels if they were all naked. Imagine how much com- more comfortable we wouldn't have even had to go through the end of Evangelion. Like Shinji would have already mentally been in a great place. He yeah, would have recovered. Episode twenty four would have just been like a huge celebration at Nerve Headquarters, and Gendo yeah. would have taken off his tie and put wrapped it around his head, and yeah, it would have been great. It's all there, George. <laughs> <laughs> So if that's being kicked to the side then, and I've never played this game, but I living in Japan, it's kind of unavoidable. A lot of like old Japanese coworkers I work with talk about how much they revere this game. And obviously it's the game that inspired Undertale that is outside of the Mother series. How's Moon going? Yeah, Moon Moon does look like my jam. I'm amazed that got a re-release on Switch. Uh Moon Moon is is great. It's fantastic. Like I, I, it is so weird, and it's really obtuse, and it has like mechanics that you know you do not un- like. At some point while playing Moon on your first session, your character is going to drop dead, and you're going to get a game over, and you're going to have no idea what happens. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. is it is it weird? Like, so this is what I want to understand about this. So obviously, Kimura Sen made this, uh, or he wrote it, and. He also wrote a lot of other weird games, like Tulip. Now, what I want to understand about this, is it, like, good weird, or is it, like, bad weird? Because Tulip is a shit game that is not very good and is kind of praised because it's weird, but it's just arguably not a good game. Yeah. So is Moon, like, 
in the other category where it's like, this is super weird, but actually it is pretty good. If you're coming to Moon looking for like a good mechanically designed video game that's going to like, you know, find interesting ways to shoot dopamine into you every couple of minutes, it's not mm. that game. Now, from mm. what I understand, uh, there's a guy, there's a YouTuber I really like called Thor High Heels. And he's he, he kind of, his stock and trade is like a lot of weird games like this. And the way he seemed to put it was like, Tulip is aggressive towards you. It will kill you like mm. without a second thought. Wait, the Tulip? Yep. Yeah. I didn't know you could die in Shulip. Oh, there's so many instant deaths in Shulip. It's like one of the old point and click adventures. But with Moon, once you understand the mechanics of what's actually happening, you're not going to die. Now, so the way, like, basically you have a certain amount of time every day to explore. And during that time, you have to collect love. And you do that by saving monsters and fulfilling people's wishes. Yo, that is Undertale as fuck. It's it's really Undertale, but like they're it's they're very different in a weird way as well. Uh, I think Moon is one of the most like relentlessly positive games. It's one of the most relentlessly positive games I've ever played. And normally I don't like that. I think it's so easy for that to just get really sugary and sweet. But there's something about it. And like you were asking about like the weirdness of it, Liam. Um, yeah. I think about like gaming weirdness a lot. You know, because sometimes I'll play a game and it'll be like weird and I'll be into it and sometimes I won't. And I think the difference for me is if I play something weird, I need to feel like it makes sense to the person who made it. It can't just be weird for the sake of weird. Um, yes. Really popular game that I did not like. I know a lot of people love this game. Control. I mm. All the time I was playing Control, I felt like that was a game trying to be really weird for just for the sake of weird. And I didn't really feel any like, like there was any, anything underlying the weirdness except for, oh, sp spooky, you know, with Tulip. <laughs> Haunted Hotel. <laughs> yeah, with Tulip, I could feel like I could sit down with Kimura and he could explain why everything is the way it is in that game. And I feel like that's really important, you know? You have 100% nailed it on the head. And... And it is weird. So for me, it's like that, but also I feel like weird for the sake, like bad for the sake of serving the weird also is offensive to me because you can still make things good without being like, oh, lol, this is broken on purpose. And yep. that kind of thing that some older games do. And it's interesting because a couple of years ago, I was working with somebody, I probably shouldn't say this, but who cares, um, to, to make a pitch for a game that was kind of like moon and uh mother and it was with a japanese creator and it was like his like raison d'etre it's what he's always wanted to do and we were trying to put a pitch together of the story and all of these things and it was like this and it was a hundred percent like him explaining like oh yeah there is this giant pumpkin head that this guy walks around and it's because it's in service to how sad he is that he lost his girlfriend when he was out during halloween and it's like that kind of tangential thinking that means that you think A, but you get B, and that B is what is representative in the game, and that's why it's so weird. But all that like messaging in the middle is kind of like lost a little bit and is yeah. only in the creator's head. And that's how you get like this finished product. And you are 100% right that if you sat down with these people, they can explain in great detail like the overthought about how these things come to be. And it is more substantial than something like Control, yeah. where it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we set a game in this setting 
Yeah, and like I, I'm, I'm not saying I need to understand it. Like, it's not mm. about like me sitting down with the developer and them explaining it, or even like reading an explanation or watching an explainer video. It's more I need to get the sense that there is actual substance to it that they are really trying to say something. It, it, I think Moon really does because like it starts off where you're basically like the the hero of Dragon Quest. You start off and it's like a completely different game. It has a completely different visual style and you go and you kill a bunch of monsters and then it pulls this really cool bait and switch where that's not actually the game at all and you start to see the hero's actions from another point of view and it turns out he's just like like you know in his version of the game he fought like a hound of hell but in your version he's just attacking a dog <laughs> and it you find like all the corpses of the monsters he's killed and you need to find their souls and bring them back to life Whoa. and then they and then they give you love and it's it's, it's okay george that sound that's this game it's like it yeah. is it is really like hopeful and sweet and strange in a way that I really, I think I needed this year, you know? I, I need a dose of that. I do think I'm going to play this eventually You should, in the you future. should. And like, the like, all the, it looks so strange. Like, all the, um, all the sprites are like kind of hand-drawn, but some of them are claymation. And then, um... Yeah, it is like a weird balance. Yeah, and then, and then like the backgrounds are like the old school, like, nearly like Final Fantasy 7 pre-rendered backgrounds and they just look so cozy and lived in and nice and I I I think I love that game. I think it's super super cool. Like if you're willing to if you're willing to get there, if you're willing to like stumble around blindly for like an hour as you figure out what the game is actually trying to ask you to do, it's it's fantastic. I can I can do that. I can stumble for an hour. Let me let me know how you get on when you do. How long is it? I would imagine like maybe I couldn't see it being longer than like eight hours. I think it's going to be short. I mm. could be dead wrong about that. That sounds like perfect though. Like yeah yeah yeah. How how long to beat? Clocks it in at fifteen and a half hours. Jesus. Which is, which is, okay. Yeah, which is but that's still actually I was relieved to see see that it wasn't above. 20 something yeah yeah okay well that's interesting yeah i've just i've just had a blast with it like it is it is the game i needed right now and it's it's just it is there's a serene quality to it that i love it's weird seeing uh kimura have you played um oh what is it called uh what's his like sort of other he likes to do almost parody versions of games um, i know he did, he did rule like, of rose and he did he did rule of rose but like most recently he released a million onion hotel no, I heard about that though. Giant bomb it is, was mad about that. It, it is it is really fun. And I think it's on Switch now, but um or maybe not. Uh but it's definitely on iOS. And basically it's like every single Japanese trope condensed into a hotel. And like the different levels you experience are like you'll jump into like a Final Fantasy themed room, you'll jump into like a Dragon Quest room, you'll jump into like a Mario themed room. And you're just trying to make it through this puzzle hotel by like experiencing all of these you know, crazy things similar to Moon, but also, you know, his take on Japanese culture and, like, different things. Like, at one point, like, you know, Uimatsu Nobura comes out, like, and he's in it with his little conductor, like, thing, and he's just in the game. <laughs> it's like, why is he in the game? But That's he's cool. just there. Um, yeah, it's um, it's really good fun. And it's like, you can, like, mash it and stuff. Uh, it's super weird. I mean, it's called Million Onion Hotel. It's gonna be pretty weird. 
I didn't know that was on Switch. I must check that out. I think it's on Switch. Don't. It might only be on Switch in Japan. Don't quote mm, me. Okay. I'll, I'll. But it's definitely on iOS. The critics agree. Metal Gear Solid 2 is a hit. Newsweek says it rocks. The best video game for PlayStation 2 raves USA Today. Right, get out of here. And Game Informer names Metal Gear Solid 2 Game of the Year. PlayStation 2, rated M for Mature, from Konami. Speaking of hotels smell like onions, one would have to wonder what having one million onions crammed into a hotel might do to the walls and the floors and the windows. It could uh, cause some, some ugly red mold, maybe, to appear all over the surfaces. It might rust uh, all the door locks to, to become shut. It would definitely... Um, I can't believe... Liam is cracking up in the background. I can't believe where you're going with this. This is the biggest tangent. It it could turn a perfectly fine hotel into a uh, horror show-esque relic of the Silent Hill franchise in particular. <laughs> which there's news about wow. for the first time in years, and it's not bad news. Konami is quietly re-releasing some really weird old like Windows 98 to XP era PC ports of PS2 era console games. And I I was just like having a, a grand old time, like like keeping up with the um impressions and the rumors and and trying to speculate why the hell they're actually doing this. Because these are weird. Uh buyer beware. There is a list of like <laughs> Of, of headaches that all of these ports are going to give you. So Metal Gear Solid has been re-released on GOG and they went with a version that was released in 2000 on CD-ROM back in the days of Windows 98 that has inferior audio quality to the PlayStation version. Uh, none of the, the Psycho Mantis gags we all know and love and uh, some, some arguing to be had over, over how much you, you like texture filtering. This port had an infamously bad problem with modern operating systems where some video codec wouldn't get the real-life FMV footage to show up, and they went and did it. The Mad Men <laughs> re-released, of all the versions of MGS that are out there, they went and re-released uh, uh, that one. A very, very quick and dirty... I don't want to say minimal effort because they did put some fixes in. They fixed that FMV bug, but the audio quality is still not where it should be. And I don't think there's any kind of way they can they can implement the PlayStation 1 Psycho Mantis gags in, in the, this old PC port. So I would still, even though it's still out there, I don't know if I'd recommend this version of the game over over emulating or playing on original hardware. They re-released the infamously unplayable Metal Gear Solid 2 port, which I actually think is quite fine when you install a fan patch. So GOG released a guide linking to the fan patch. Oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's the point we're at with this shit, okay. They, they've done some work to it, but it is, these are absolutely like, like, I, I feel bad saying it because I, I feel like the deal would have been really hard to strike, but it is quick and dirty minimal effort sort of sort of re-release strategy here metal gear solid 2 is not gonna crash on launch it's not gonna crash if you don't have a sound blaster sound card inside your computer uh <laughs> some some video files that would play on the projector screen and in, in the end of the tanker level is fixed uh 
Yeah, if you don't have a copy of the HD collection around, you certainly can do worse than this PC port of MGS2 because I would play this over the PS2 original because that game is gorgeous when you blow it up into HD. Uh, there is arguing to be had about whether or not Metal Gear Solid 1 is gorgeous when you blow it up into HD. Just buy the HD collection. Don't waste your time. But, but the HD collection is getting more and more expensive every year as it becomes oh, a collector's but it's item. it's so good, though. So, that is yeah, a good collection. That is. It a is. I remember, I remember booting up uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 in that for the first time and just being like, holy shit, this game looks good. And like that was on Xbox 360 hardware and it still looked great. And Peace Walker being on like console as well with mm. actually use useful controls was great. And playing MGS3 on, on PlayStation Vita was like a magical experience. If you've never played MGS2 in your life and you're never planning on getting a copy of the HD collection, this is $8. There's some headaches to, to, to sort through, but once you get it sorted through, it's an okay version of the game. They re-released Silent Hill 4 which is funny on another level because the Silent Hill 2, 3, and 4 PC ports were actually pretty all right. It's just that the Silent Hill 4 was the weak link in that chain, and that's the one they went with. George, can I point out something hilarious that I don't know if you realize you wrote Silent Hill 4 was among the worst of the trilogy's original PC ports. Yeah, and the reason the reason I say trilogy is because... It, it, it's that that PS2 trilogy of two, three, and four. Like like those oh, three okay, games, right. I feel okay, mold. Okay. It, it it is totally a brain fart. It's not correct, but I <laughs> I I use that word casually and incorrectly the to PS2 refer to trilogy. The the grand old time one would have playing Silent Hill two, three, and four. So the original PC port of Silent Hill two is something that has a lot of problem with modern day operating systems. But like the Metal Gear Solid two ports, some fan patches that'll just snap it right up. And I would recommend that over the Silent Hill HD collection. This is like, they're on opposite ends of that the coin. That is terrible. Yeah. I can't believe how bad that was. The Silent Hill 3 port, on the other hand, has always been fantastic. I don't know if people are having problems with it in, in Windows 10 nowadays, but that game is gorgeous. It is the PC version of Silent Hill 3. Hell, even the console versions of Silent Hill 3 are some of the best looking games from that gen. And when you plug it up into a PC and, and see what it looks like in, in 1080p and above, it is it is fan freaking tastic. Yeah, I, I played through that like with all the mods about a year and a half ago or something. And it was like stunning. It was like it really there is. something to be said for like when art direction makes up so much for like the limitations of the time. And with that, whatever way they made that game, it just scales so beautifully to modern technology. There's better use of of lighting and shadows going on in that game than i think doom 3 or like far cry like the actual bleeding edge tech demos of that era have aged worse than silent hill 2 and 3 have i remember there was a point in silent hill 3 where just like walking by a pink sign and watching the spill of light on um on heather's face was just like it looks great now you know what i mean oh yeah there's there's real reflections <laughs> It's going to be so weird playing the uh, the the next gen of games where they're going to be hyping up how amazing it is that they can do reflections. And then maybe someday soon we'll see a Silent Hill 3 port come out when when they managed that back then with some trickery. I think there is a room where there's gags involved with your reflection where it like doesn't follow you. And then all of a sudden your reflection starts bleeding. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the biggest scares in the game. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the trick is that they they would put another room on the side of the mirror and have an entity follow the player's inputs rather than actually yep. coding a real reflection. Fuck yeah, video games rule. I love that shit. <laughs> one, of my, one of my bug tester friends told me once that like, if you ever want to crash a game, just mess around in any mirror room for a little bit and you'll do it. So, so the Silent Hill 2 PC port is is good, but not compatible with modern stuff. The Silent Hill 3 PC port was great out of the box. I have not heard complaints about it recently. And they, whatever team Konami was working with to put that in, went through the extra effort and like actually released it with some high resolution textures over the console original. And then they go and port Silent Hill 4. And for some reason, the textures are back to blurry PS2 quality again. The lighting is probably going to be harder to to look as dark and dreary on on a monitor with these blurry textures as it is on a TV with CRT scan lines the way it was meant to be played. It never really made the transition over. The uh, cutscenes were in 50 FPS for some reason. They cut out some apartment hauntings. Uh, For this GOG re-release, they made the cutscenes 30 frames per second again, which I just... Why the hell were they ever not in the first place? And added some the the motion blur that that never transitioned over to PC in the olden days. But I've seen some screenshots, and it still does not look great. It does not stack up to um, Silent Hill two and three. So uh, they also did Metal Gear one, and it's the PS two style version that they really re released with MGS three subsistence, which begs the natural question. This begs a lot of questions. This is such a weird move. Uh, It begs the question of why there's no Metal Gear 2. Metal Gear 2 would be a fantastic game to re-release in 2020. Metal Gear 2 is a is a wonderfully charming, like pixel art indie game demake style of of Metal Gear Solid 1. It would work so so well in today's market. The Silent Hill 2 and 3 ports are are generally regarded as as a, a more fun experience than the Silent Hill 4 port. So this has me wondering if they're actually sitting on top of this stock of, of ports for like a Steam release or something, like maybe a compilation later on. I mean, what else are the, f- what the fuck else are Konami going to do? I mean, do they even have a game division anymore? Like, just just throw all that shit out there so everybody can have any, it. Any day now that new Silent Hill trailer is going to drop and you're all going to look like fools. There's rumors, of course, because there's never not rumors that that Metal Gear Solid games are getting remade. But this move gives a little bit more hope for the future in that regard. Why? Konami just want money. Why? Why would this do anything? Because they, they're officially remembering that they used to make PC ports of what are now classic games. Look, we're going to make minimum effort because we don't give a shit about our franchises. And then we'll release them. Yeah, the 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 big Metal Gear Solid 1 remake rumor floating around is from a, a single YouTuber who I don't think has multiple sources. They just mentioned one and you don't see it reported anywhere else in the media. And I probably shouldn't have even brought it's it up. It's not real. <laughs> but what I do have more faith of now are George, more you can, you can say my channel's name. It's okay. <laughs> I have fa- more faith than before that we may see... Another version of MGS3 come out that that might copy paste some code over from that NVIDIA Shield port they made a surprisingly small amount of years ago. I have it on good authority that Mr. Wolf once told me <laughs> in a bar that Konami were making remakes of Metal Gear Solid. It's true. I, I think it would be the weirdest thing in the world for them to go through the effort of sprucing up the Silent Hill 4 PC port and not 
also go to the effort of sprucing up the more popular games in that franchise. And I do I mean, they think... They don't care. If the port was already better in the first place, it's... it's... I can also confirm that James is going to be revealed in Smash soon. I, I... Oh my gosh. Yeah. You heard it here first. Like another fighter you heard like two years ago. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Konami is re-releasing classic Konami games uh, from the PS2 days. The end. Uh, Smash is releasing Steve slash Alex as the new fighter. That that was a weird news day. That was the same. <laughs> On coronavirus day 2020, we woke up and found out about Steve, and then we all went to bed finding out that, that, that Trump caught the thing he's been downplaying this whole time. What a weird week. Just another week. There's what I think is a pretty darn good looking stage. There's there's some alternate costumes for Steve that, that give you the, the girl version, Alex, and then the, the a creeper version, which which is going to be some good comedy. And the Enderman. Everyone loves Minecraft Kirby. There There's no complaints there whatsoever. Oh, God, yeah. So cute. But for some reason, during the first like eight to ten hours this was revealed, I saw a shitload of negativity on on twitter directed towards this way and i i don't get it do, do you guys know like why why did so many kids hate this for eight to ten hours after it was initially revealed i can tell you why but like it's it's not a good reason oh yeah well i'm curious hit me make me depressed <laughs> they just my, my, my minecraft's for babies damn it shouldn't be in this super serious game but but us 30 year olds were like we're playing minecraft in 2008 alongside really complicated roguelike dwarf fortress stuff like minecraft's original audience was like hardcore game developers themselves but you're not really the traditional smash brothers audience and they original like the traditional smash brothers audience who are probably getting angry about this are not the guys who have been playing dwarf fortress on minecraft on pc back in the day i can see why this is i mean it's an it's a microsoft property like i, I can see why i think i think like i think um i saw it and i was like oh okay and then i saw like yeah. some of his gameplay and i was like oh that was cool and that was kind of the extent mm. of my reaction to it i it's the first time i've i've watched a fighter and been like ah Oh, yeah, yeah. I am way, way happier about this than fucking Fire Emblem Fran. That's, I mean, he does have a sword. I just think we could fit, I just think if we fit one more Fire Emblem character in there. Just one Just more. No, one more. No. George. There is a new Fire Emblem game. George, what are you saying? I'm saying that if they didn't do this, that they, they, they'd do Fire Emblem or Pokemon, and I would not give a damn, but they did a beloved franchise that's a part of of everyone's childhood nostalgia at this point a game that's about being creative and having a sense of humor like it it fits i was fucking 18 when this came out <laughs> okay george 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 i i i hear you i hear you but what if it was marth except he had a lance <laughs> no then we wouldn't be talking about it i would have forgotten what if about it was edelgard on a horse i do like edelgard i must say and a horse would actually spice things up she's a nazi She's a Nazi. What are you talking, John? You're better than that. He is an anime YouTuber. No, I'm. Well, I'm. Uh, okay, I feel. I feel like you trapped me in some some very <laughs> tricky comparisons. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, she's a Nazi. Come on. Uh, Get, no, come look. On. I'm gonna say not a huge fan she's of the Third Nazi. Reich. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> what a controversial, brave statement. <laughs> <laughs> 
look, I, look, I'm not afraid to say the controversial things on this podcast. Nazis, not a fan, personally. There we go. Controversial. Controversial. Yeah, people can come at me whatever way they want, but you know, I just, I just, I just spit it like I see it. Thank you for your service. I don't think we can have him on again because the backlash we're gonna get. Oof. You see, this is this is my biggest flaw. I'm too real. <laughs> Talking about anti-maskers and then like Nazis. Would <laughs> you hate everybody? Come on. I. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by everything they showed about Steve in, in Smash. And then I looked up the price tags for this stuff, and it's uh, like $30 for, for Fighter no, Pass no, 2. No, 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 no. You, no, you're I, talking about all the DLC. Steve himself is $4. Okay, can you buy them individually? Because they don't yes. they don't make it easy on the website to like look at a menu of this stuff. Why would they want you to? They want you to buy in immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy them individually. I've bought all of them individually so oh, far. Good. I, I was hoping that because when I go to, to smashbrothers.com slash buy DLC, they want you buy on, on the $30 pack. Just look on your Switch. That's in the other room. But that's where you play Smash Brothers. I don't know what you want from me, dude. But that's that's <laughs> not where I make my outline for this podcast. Nintendo Nintendo should have taken should have taken the format of this podcast into account when they should have realized podcasters don't play switches they just talk about them wait the one thing I do want to say about this that is quite interesting and funny from where we go is there are four more fighters coming and Steve was one that some people knew about but other people didn't expect and now guessing who's going to be in Smash Brothers is now a more complicated question than ever because it's fucking wild west out there now for who the hell can be in that game. Fucking Doom Guy, Crash Bandicoot, I don't know, fucking Moon main character. Let's go. Doom Guy would be I don't uh, I don't know if I'd want Doom Guy in Smash for Let's no, go. Might feel a little well, trashy. I mean after 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 they announce James, it's gonna be like, whoa, they can do anything. <laughs> Uh, so, so we we know that that uh, Microsoft and Nintendo are talking. I mean, Solid Snake's already in there. I mean, it's not that far fetched. We now have a representative from the Microsoft sphere. Like, like Minecraft isn't exactly an Xbox representative, but that's just the one hole left. Is whoever the hell Master Chief is the closest thing Xbox has to a mascot character, and I uh, that that would be weird. Who else counts as an Xbox? mascot you think like blinks the cat could blinks the cat go and smash <laughs> the car from forza horizon didn't tekken one of the tekken games have a fully playable car fighter didn't tekken have negan from the walking dead at one point fighters megamix on sega saturn had a fully playable car fighter. <laughs> is that what i'm thinking yes. of? Yeah, yeah. Yes. it would stand on its hind wheels and punch you with its front wheels <laughs> yes. Woo. I think Woo. it was the, I think it was the car from Sega Rally. What what other like what other giant franchise is like not accounted for in some way in Smash Brothers these days? I think Dante would be a, a an easier fit yeah, than a first person another shooter. Another Capcom one. Beautiful Joe is not in it. Yeah, Amaterasu. She was a Marvel's Capcom. You could put her in it. Fuck it. Put the sexy dragon from Ring Fit in. <laughs> Sold. Fucking sold. Yep. Full of ideas, Mr. Wolf. I'm hiring you tomorrow. Finally. And 
There's there's literally <laughs> nothing else to talk about that topic now that you capped it off with that. God, there's a lot of news. What are we doing? Uh, uh, we're we're going to super duper quick talk about how Nexus Mod is banning politics until the next U.S. president is inaugurated in January. I don't even know what Nexus Mods is. <laughs> how do you not know what Nexus Mods is? Yeah, I don't I don't know either. <laughs> what? Who are you people? Nexus Mods is where you go to to make any Bethesda game good. Can I mod a sexy dragon into Fallout? Yes. Okay. Okay, well, if someone had just said that... Do I have to choose the Skyrim dragon, or can I have the one from Ring Fit? I bet it would be surprisingly easier than you think to just rip the model and... I'm going to go to Nexus Mods right now, a website I've never been to, and Google Sexy Dragon. So Nexus Mods is the big hub for the entire world of, of Bethesda game modding. They've tried, Bethesda has tried to transition things over to their own storefront. Steam has tried to transition things over to the Steam Workshop. None of them have really caught on with the staying power that Nexus Mods has. Why would you use this? File name, Sexy Dragon, search results, zero. Okay, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, can I'm we just out. move on to the next move- news story, please? I just, I have no interest in this anymore. What's wrong, George? Where's the fucking lever? <laughs> and he thought this week without Matt and me tag teaming to bully him was going to work. Yeah. Uh, so George is gone. <laughs> okay, welcome to Sexy Dragon Power Hour. Yeah, finally. We'll move on to listener questions, I guess. Can't believe you guys don't know what Nexus Mods is. Number five, Smoke from The Hobbit. Dude, <laughs> when I was like 14 years old, I was uploading to Nexus Mods. Number four, the dragon from Aragon, which <sighs> nobody knows. <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question or a thought or a comment, send or your it to ranking Dad- of the top five sexiest dragons. Yo, you guys ever play Dragon Guard? Dan Sons Podcast. <laughs> Send in your Wait, question. Number two, uh, the talking one from Dragonheart. So when I met George at MAGFest last year, um, we were chatting for a little bit and I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, the Dad and Sons we did was super, super fun. And he kind of let out a noise like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> now I understand that noise. Now I understand where that came from. The pain this poor man has to deal with. Dad and sons is is a, more work and pain than people tend to think. If you would like to <laughs> comment on your own work and, and pain, your existential angst, then mail them off to dad. George, what's your sexiest dragon? I don't know. I What kind of... A, can we... Should should we move on to have listener you, have, questions at have this Have you ever Googled the sexy ring fit dragon? No! Can you do that right now? And we can we see your live reaction? Okay, well that's that's where the miscommunication is happening here. This is a lot of fun because like I am George's position on my podcast. Like okay, I'm constantly are you, being dunked on. I just are you talking do what about the buff black guy and the the leotard? <laughs> okay, <laughs> the buff dark gray dragon with humanoid features. And a leotard. <laughs> is that is that the character you're talking about? Yes. 
I've Googled it and I, I, and I, I had my embarrassing moment. There you go. We're cashing in. All right. Listener questions of the week. Vajram from Patreon, uh, to put it, put in a, ah, uh, the question in the listenership, my brain, my fucking brain, it's what's, uh, what's wrong, George? Everything! <laughs> Vajram from Patreon asks, have you ever spoiled yourself a game in its entirety and still had a blast going through it? Oh, good question. Yeah, totally. Um... There's a big spoiler at the end of one of these Silent Hill games, um, like a very big famous spoiler, and I knew that going in, and I think it actually enhanced my experience of the game because it let me, I guess, appreciate the different levels of that game right from the beginning as as opposed to kind of just being like, oh, it's a spooky game, and then like realizing at the end of the game what was actually happening. So I'd say in that instance, like I, uh, it made me love that game okay. more. Yeah. Yeah, because there's an an inventory item that might clue you off to something happening, and that's an inventory item I never ever clicked on, and was surprised to find out that it I, that might have been something I would have wanted to spoil. Are we talking about the inventory item that says one thing and then later on says less things? Yeah, yeah. Yep. The inventory item related to the story spoiler related to one certain game in this franchise. People people who've played it will know what we're talking about. Yep. I definitely quit, like, not quit games, but I get bored of games. So I'm intrigued to see how the story goes, but I can't be asked finishing it, so I read the Wikipedia. That happens quite frequently. But I think I spoiled the genocide run of Undertale for myself by watching the Game Grumps play it, but then that made me want to play it more. And then I played through it and had a blast. And it was great. Yeah, sometimes I kind of feel like if a spoiler can genuinely ruin a piece of media for you, how good was that piece of media in the first? But I don't know. I'm pretty, like, liberal with spoilers. Like, they don't really bother me that much. Yeah. I feel like when something, uh, movies and TV is a bit different because that's all that hinges on really is like you're sitting down and paying attention. Whereas video games, the interactivity and the different experiences you can have outside of a story. I don't know if I agree with that either because like I have like a lot of my favorite shows and stuff I've watched multiple times and I feel like the more I watch them nearly like like when I'm watching something like The Wire. Um, I, I only say that because I've been watching it recently, and boy, that sure is an interesting Famous show American to watch anime. in 2020. Um, but <laughs> it's like you, when you know what's happening and when you know things are going, it nearly lets you appreciate like a lot of the subtleties of the storytelling. I feel like you nearly miss out on the first time. Definitely, yeah, like a rewatch of things opens your eyes to like, oh shit, I didn't even notice that the first time. And like you can't, you can't spoil, you can't spoil like cinematography. You can't spoil good acting. You can't spoil kind of good writing or dialogue in a lot of ways, you know. But again, I feel like, but I feel like with spoilers, the problem is that you don't get to decide that for yourself on the initial watch. And I think that's my problem with spoilers. Yeah, and that's 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 where that's where it gets shitty when people spoil something and take that choice away from people, away from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think everyone has heard the Sans boss theme without fighting or even knowing that was a thing in the game. Yeah. And it still hit me hard. Masterpiece. Yeah. I don't know if I've spoiled a game and still enjoyed it. Like, I'm trying to think. I think Persona 4 might have been spoiled for me. Oh, I did spoil... Um... 
Doki Doki Literature Club, Doki Doki Panics, the Mario game. <laughs> Doki Doki Literature Club, very different. Did spoil that for myself. Still played it because I wanted to experience. I'm not good with horror, so knowing some of the things that were coming up was pretty good. But I still wanted that morbid curiosity again to like have my computer fuck with me and like all that kind of stuff. I, I wanted to experience that firsthand. I still did enjoy it. It is very surreal playing a game like that. I think the ending of Last of Us may have been spoiled for me, and I think I would have liked it better if it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been in this situation where I've been spoiled and still had the blast. I've either saved myself, because I am a real big stickler for spoilers. Like, I will black out media all the time mm. and deliberately avoid it, so I haven't even put myself in that situation a lot. I think, I guess, like, when I think about the other side of it, though, I think about, like, Imagine being the first couple of people who played Undertale and then imagine being the one that realized that the genocide run was a thing. Like stuff like that. Yeah, that would have been super cool to experience. Yeah, yeah. but then like when you think about like the portion of the audience that get to experience that, it's like, I mean, what we're talking about, like 0. 0.00000, like a tiny fraction of people. Mm. It is weird because we live in this era right now where recommendations are flying at you all the time youtube twitch twitter facebook right like someone's like oh i just played you know people listening to this podcast right now listening to us about recommendations and the problem is if you like google any of the names or of anything you're going to be hit with something or some article or something to do with something that breaks open the cracks of the game a little bit and yeah. like all the you know media and you're gonna know more about it before you ever go into it than you ever would at any other time. Things are different these days. People, you know, I remember like, I don't, I, I like their channel and I like what they do, but I remember being subscribed to Game Explain and Game Explain would be like, final boss of Breath of the Wild, like new. And oh, it's like Breath the of the Wild's thumbnail. been out like, yeah, with the thumbnail. Ooh, it's oh, like been out mm. one minute and you're like, whoa, calm down. Okay, so um, the one part of this that I actually do become a real stickler for spoilers is wrestling. I'm a big, big wrestling fan, and sometimes there'll be like a, a you know a big event on, and it'll happen at like two a.m. my time, and so I'll yeah. wake up the next morning, I'll grab some coffee, I'll open YouTube, and the thumbnail is like WrestleMania winner revealed, and just someone holding a belt, <laughs> and I'll be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with like spawning events in general, right? Nobody thinks of spoilers for spawning events, mm. right? So they get live tweeted all the time, and people are just like. La 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 la. Like nobody like watches the last episode of Game of Thrones and like, Game of Thrones and live tweets like lol Daenerys. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but like sporting, they'll be like very attractive dragon. Oh. <laughs> Burn well, that throne, baby. Burn that throne. <laughs> wrestling has story though that you follow, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, but it gets yeah. it gets treated, I think, like sporting events a little bit, where you know people are live tweeting, you know, WrestleMania, or I see a lot of like I follow a couple of people who are into you know like New Japan Pro Wrestling and stuff like that, and they like every event they're just like tweeting it live, and I'm like, oh yeah, I live in Japan, this is on my time zone, weird, um, and it's just happening, and I I don't follow it, so it, it's no biggie to me, but I imagine if you, you know, you just come across it, you just open Twitter and you're like, ah, oh, for fuck sakes especially if it's like a storyline you've been following for like months or even years and i can be like mm. oh i can't believe how close you nearly got me into wrestling you nearly got me into wrestling with your villains so i think one more one more good push will do it it's so close 
From what you know of wrestling, when would you say it hit its peak? I have to give the really irritating answer of you're asking a lot of different questions there, George, because (laughs) are we talking about like, what kind of wrestling do you want? Do you want like the really kind of like charismatic kind of showcasey 80s pomp and circumstance? Do you want the really hard hitting stuff of like modern day Japan? Do you want the really kind of old school stuff that AEW is doing? Like there is a lot of people will tell you that the Attitude Era is the golden age of wrestling. This was back in the... Yeah. That's when I watched it. That would have been the question. Like within the fan base, is there a consensus on what was a golden age. A lot of people look back on the Attitude Era like that, but personally, I feel like what the Attitude Era was, was a tapping into a cultural zeitgeist of like youth rebellion and culture. And that was so perfect for that era. But I think when you go back and watch it now, it's a lot of two minute matches, misogyny and homophobia rolled into like these two hour shows. You know what I mean? And it's, and like there's there's stuff from the Attitude Era I think is fantastic, but I also think it a lot of it. The guy who hold did the up. worm, what was his name? Scotty Too Hardy. Yep, yep. Let's just dive in before we leave and talk about wrestling for a sec because I'm you, interested. You guys, you guys are absolutely gonna regret this, but okay. <clears throat> Do you like all the wrestling? Like I don't know how to phrase that question. Like you, you said a lot of you know you got WWE, you got like the new one AEW. And then you have Japan Pro Wrestling and like the different forms of that. Like, do you like all of them? Is there a consensus that all wrestling fans follow all of them? Or uh, like some people are just like, I only like AEW. I don't watch WWE. I would say that is comparable to being asked, like, do you like all the gaming platforms in that there That's are going, why I to wonder. Be, there's going to be people who are like, okay, I only like Xbox, but really you know, when you break that statement down, it's more that person trying to establish a sense of identity for themselves as it is to like a measure of quality to what's on Xbox, I'd argue. And so I'd say like, if you really care about wrestling. Oh, oh, that blows my mind. So it's almost like a console wars thing. It's exactly like a console Whoa. wars thing. Except imagine if in console wars, Microsoft could pay Mario enough that he would come to Xbox and say, suck it, WWE. I wouldn't give it a few years. I, I mean, your Bethesda <laughs> has told us anything. Anything can happen. That's true. That's true. I don't know how the future is going to go. <laughs> so what, like, what I'd say, Liam, just like to your question would be that there's good wrestling in everything. In the same way there's good games okay. on every platform and there's a reason to get yeah. into every major platform. There's good wrestling on every, but it's more depends on like your own personal philosophies and the stuff you of like last year I got really in, or this year I got really into Joshi Pro Wrestling which is like women's Japanese wrestling and it is like it is a different world and it is like so hard hitting and violent in a way you would not expect and it the reasons for that are really crazy and strange and it has all this like fascinating stuff where part of it's like really similar to the Japanese idol industry and then other parts of it are a complete rebellion to that and it's it's so good <laughs> Did they sing a song? Yes. George, there's a tournament called the Cinderella Tournament, right? And it's like a 32-woman tournament. They come out, they beat the shit out of each other. The two finalists come out at the very end of the night and have a fucking war and literally destroy each other's bodies. Then the winner goes backstage and gets dressed up in a Cinderella dress and comes back out in front of the crowd absolutely physically destroyed and is like... (gasps) And like her hair is unkempt and she's all fucked up and she's like, this means 
a lot to me. Thank you. And yeah, it's amazing. That seems like cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, we're talking. We're, to- we're talking about the wrestling industry. Yes, there is just no such thing as ethical consumption in in this this world, is there? No. Like New Japan Pro Wrestling has always been like the the iceberg I would almost tip into. Like New Japan is my favorite. Like it, it is what it's like. Watch it seems like it's like watching anime, but with real humans. Like if you yeah. imagine a Unity scene with ragdolls in it, and you're like, I'm gonna make an anime scene out of this, and you fly two ragdolls at each other. That's what like NG Pro looks like. The thing about New Japan is like they will just they will cook a storyline for years and they'll hold on to it for so long and it, they'll do it for so long that you'll forget about it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that used to be a thing. And then all of a sudden, like, it comes back and it's such a shock, but it's so rewarding, you know? God damn. Oh, so tempted. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to let that be our, our, our final note to, uh, to, to to end us out on uh, the, the thought that the people who make the entertainment we all know and love are, are destroying themselves for it. Just like John making one hour bleach longer videos. <laughs> oh, the internet was happy to destroy me over that. I didn't need to do any of my own destruction. I want to throw it out there and say, you're 100% right with everything you say. <laughs> Bring it on, internet. Thank, thank you so much for, for joining us again. That was, that was lovely. That was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Oh, guys, it's 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 all it's always such a blast. Like whatever is cool with me. Yeah, yeah. This 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 blitz of of stupid stories that we always go through is. <laughs> You're now officially honorary dad and also dragon lover. Mm-hmm. That's my title on the Discord. Yes. And now I'm reminded of the dragon. You'll never forget the first time you were the dragon. George, next time MagFest happens, I know about some some very interesting hotel rooms we can go to after hours, and just all I can say is just go with it. Just go with it. The rooms are really large. I won't tell you why, but they're re- <laughs> that they're, they're like dragon sized. <laughs> but what if I I blink and all of a sudden the walls get super duper red and and the doors are all locked and uh and and there's there's items I can use in the cabinets and bugs everywhere i don't know about you but it all started with the dragon from shrek and just went from there i think i think we're all living in in silent hill right now you you sure are right now george (laughs) (laughs) take us away george (laughs) i'm so sorry for running your podcast everyone